know what that song reminds me of? What does it remind you of? Waiting in line at the video store. Uh, <laughs> the video store. You don't have those memories at the video store? A fond memory. <laughs> no, I, uh, funny story. So, so just me, huh? Is no, it... no, I, I do too. I oh, do too. Okay. Um, I actually obviously don't have a lot of memories of the video store because that was. It, <laughs> Did you get into fights and it, they knocked you out? No, that's not why. <laughs> just it's really a lot less recent than people give it credit for yeah like the video stores were really popular back in the 90s early 2000s Mm. but i think the last time i actually remember renting a movie from a store was probably in like early high school or right before high school for me Mm. so it's definitely within the last like i'd say probably 15 years ago yeah so funny story one of the first times I had a major medical experience at a, at the doctor's office, oh, I would have been, I want to say, probably like seven or eight years old. I was little. And I had to go to the doctor, found out I got strep throat. And it wound up being a horrible experience because <laughs> strep throat, you get um, not vaccines. What is it? Um, Antibiotics? Maybe I I can't remember, but you get shots. To, oh, do you to have to help. get a shot for a strep throat? I think I'm not sure if they do anymore, but I they definitely did back when I had had strep. There were three shots given that day: two in my thighs, like one in each thigh, oh, and one damn. in my arm, and it was miserable. Like I don't remember exactly whether it was all for strep or if it was antibiotics or something to keep it from getting worse, whatever. But I all I remember is I had strep. And I got three shots that day. (laughs) And usually like with me and my family, a trip to the video store were kind of like few and far between like special occasions. I got to rent three movies that day. Hot shit. All my, my choice. It was great. Do you remember what those three movies were? No, I do not. (laughs) (laughs) I really wish I did because that would have really made the memory even better. But, but no, I don't. But you don't have many memories. (laughs) I I don't have a lot of memories. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're not human, Carter. <laughs> you're a robot, and this is all simulation in your mind. Just, just another, another sign that we're in the Matrix. <laughs> Speaking of dystopian future, what do we got today, Carter? I'll tell you what we got today. Dune. Oh, like Dune, Dune, Dune. You had your chance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. All right. Let's get the show started here. All right. So we got Dune. 2021 not to be confused with dune 1984 (laughs) not to be confused with dune the book (laughs) not to be confused with dune the also the t the the short run tv show though the book was the inspiration for this frank herbert's novel (laughs) nobody cares about books around here it's about streaming okay all right so how are we gonna do this we, we gotta start a, a normal routine right 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 so uh let's do synopsis okay a mythic and emotionally charged hero's journey dune tells the story of paul atreides a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding who must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people as malevolent forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, existence, excuse me, (laughs) commodity (laughs) capable of unlocking humanity's greatest potential. Only those who can conquer their fear will survive. So I guess before we get too deep, 
um, some people are very concerned about spoilers. We're not concerned about spoilers because we're stranded in space. <laughs> but in respects to those folks, uh, would we say this is a must-see, a buy-rent? Technically, I believe it's leaving theaters. I'm not sure how soon it will leave theaters, but currently it is on HBO Max. Mm. If you are a subscriber to HBO Max, it is available there through, I believe it's November 21st. Okay. So currently in theaters, it is currently streaming on HBO Max through November 21st. In my humble opinion, Mm. I believe this would be a must-see for specific groups. So not a general must-see. However, I think if you are really into sci-fi movies, space movies, um, that whole genre, Mm -hmm. I think it's a must-see. If you're a fan of the original movie and or the novel, Mm -hmm. definitely a must-see. If you're not in either of those groups, if you have HBO Max, I would watch it. If you don't have HBO Max, I wouldn't say that this is a go out and get HBO Max so that you can watch Dune. I would agree. I I would say that is for a select group. If you're in a Star Wars, you are into Star Trek, you are into any level of sci-fi, Blade Runner, like those epic movies. Um, Well, I mean, obviously we think they're epic, but if if you're in a long form storytelling where it's visuals are the power driver, you're not just a, I need things explained to me kind of person. This is a must stream. Like you go, Oh man, it is a must stream. Mm -hmm. I've watched it three times now (laughs) and I like, well, one time in theaters, well, no, two times in theaters Mm -hmm. and then two, no, four times twice at home. Cause it was just so good. I just put it on and I'm like, ah, this is, this is the bee's knees. Yes, definitely. I guess we'll wait a second. Somebody just had to come home to her house. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> Get out of here. What's that? When did you text me? One minute ago. <laughs> that's a lot of warning. What is this creature that's crawled through the airlock? I think Paul Revere gave George Washington at least 25 minutes. Before <laughs> he didn't write out in the last 48 seconds, Paul the British had to like ride across Virginia. What are you talking about? <laughs> she had to drive across town. <laughs> what the shit? Okay. Uh, well, we got through synopsis. We got through must he buy our rent. Uh huh. So now spoilers ahead. Oh yeah. So, uh, just a spoiler warning, right? Mm-hmm. For all you uh, viewers, listeners, listeners at home, listeners at home that don't want to be surprised by anything said from here on. So uh, now's your time to tune out. And I think that's enough. <laughs> that's enough time to hit the power button, you suckers. Um, I think that's, I'm supposed to do this one. I think we talked about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because last time you had to do the juicy deets and fresh beats. There you go. <laughs> Why did you look at me like I'm an idiot? <laughs> that's why. Okay, well, let's do anyway. a run through of Dune. Yeah. For all you kids at home. So Dune, big deal, right? Paul mm-hmm. Atreides. That's mm-hmm. that's our big deal guy. He is the son of Duke Atreides. Duke Leto Atreides. Duke yep. Leto. Uh-huh. This is a formal family, right? Royalty. Uh, royalty as far as, you know, future spacefaring goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like so the whole known universe is ran by an emperor. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of politics, right? But every, every like out in the reaches there's these large houses. Think Game of Thrones. Think um families with extensive bloodlines that kind of thing yeah yeah and they each have their own little quadrant that they're in Mm -hmm. so the their home planet if you will yes (laughs) what it is to rule a whole planet right (laughs) 
<laughs> so house there's a uh, house uh, Harkonnen. There's House Atreides. Mm-hmm. Are and, the only two major ones featured. There yeah. there are definitely others. And if you were to read through the book series, there are there are definitely others. But yes, for this particular venture, the Emperor and Harkonnen and Atreides are really the only big ones. Okay. The ones to kind of focus on. Mm-hmm. So Paul Atreides is as of House Atreides, and they're kind of on this like a um, water slash a uh, Pacific Northwest type planet where it's yeah. very wet, moist, and rainforesty, lush. Yeah, very uh, not tropical for sure. It looked kind of like you described Pacific Northwesty, <laughs> a, 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 a gloomy day on the coast of Washington. Yeah. So if you live in Forks, Washington. <laughs> This is, you're just watching something from your backyard. <laughs> it almost, it kind of reminded me that like, as far as visuals went, it kind of reminded me of Octo from mm, um, Star Wars. Yeah. From the end of Force Awakens when Rey finds Luke. Yeah. That kind of ocean planet with the islands. That's kind of what it looked like to me. It's it's definitely it's tropics without the sun and fun. Right. Yeah. It it is like like depression rates are very high. Like I feel like Atreides' planet. There's actually a name for their planet, Caladan. Caladan. Yeah. So House Atreides is based on Caladan, and Caladan mm-hmm. is pretty much Forks, Washington, on a planetary <laughs> scale. And I guarantee you, with the low level of sunlight, lots of rain, lots of moisture. <laughs> That depression rates are just high as all get go. Seasonal affective disorder is just running rampant. Yeah, it's just it's just yearly disorder. Like, <laughs> it's not even th- <laughs> it'd be a yearly disorder, and that that would be ca- welcome to Caladan, folks. Like <laughs> literally, their their postcards when you go to Caladan, the postcards is just a picture of a man hanging himself in oh, his hotel room. Dark. <laughs> <laughs> Come to Caladan and end it here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> This is the part where we drop the one eight hundred number for suicide <laughs> awareness because we do we do want to right we don't want to take that too lightly but our, our dark humor needs to have a lighter side yeah <laughs> uh, um, so Caladan's postcard is just Winnie the Pooh sitting on a log and all the colors desaturated from the picture mm, just black and white just black and white a black and white <laughs> Winnie the Pooh that if you can envision Winnie the Pooh sitting sat on a postcard oh my gosh welcome to Caladan. <laughs> And in House uh, House Atreides of Caladan exists a young special boy named Paul Atreides. Mm-hmm. He's not special to you in the movie initially, but he becomes special. Right. Anyways, the whole plot arc is him supposed to take over House Atreides for his dad, Leto. Eventually. Not right away. Eventually. Yeah. But he's kind of like being brought up in Groomed, right? Yeah. I don't know if groomed is the right word to use here, but... <laughs> But yeah, for, for uh, well, not like a predator grooming like a victim, <laughs> but like because like royalty people are groomed into their roles. Sure, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I guess yeah, I don't I don't apply it in any sexual assault <laughs> kind of way. Right there, literally the first, the first. I'm not even in the first part of the movie, and I've already dug us a hole. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not difficult to do. <laughs> if you're into like this kind of stuff, you will be a lifelong fan. Oh my gosh. I will say just incredibly offensive things continually. At least we have our humor. Um, so yes, Paul is being brought up with his father, with his inner, inner circle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, combat training, politics, really like, as you put it, groomed to eventually take o- take his father's place as the leader of House Atreides. Mm. So yes. So now you shift over to the planet Arrakis, right? Mm-hmm. Also, otherwise known as Dune, mm-hmm. uh, a nickname by the Baron. So this is the competing house, House mm-hmm. Harkonnen. Mm-hmm. 
And these guys are some bad MFers. Let me just, <laughs> uh, the guy is terrible. He, the, the Baron is what runs House Harkonnen. This is the opposing house. And they're on this, like, pretty much, if it's a tire factory and they need tar to make tires, that's it. That's House, house Harkonnen just looks like a big tar factory. If you thought seasonal effectus, affective disorder on, on Caladan was bad, <laughs> <laughs> the way that this planet for um, the uh, Harkonnens, the way that it is portrayed mm. is dark. Like, it's, <laughs> it's absolute darkness it it is made to look like the sun hasn't shined on it in a very long time it looks like nuclear winter there the cloud cover is just mm. constant it's dark there's no sunshine everybody's pale yeah it's much worse than any conditions <laughs> on Caladan. <laughs> i can't remember what the planet's name is it's um oh yeah it's gaty prime gaty prime baron harkonnen just yeah just like you said Bad guy, bad dude. They have been in control of Arrakis for the last 80 some odd years, mm -hmm. um, per but, the order of the emperor. And Arrakis is a different planet. Just this house Harkonnen is, his home is Gaty Prime. Right. Just to clarify, Arrakis is, we're not talking about Arrakis yet. They've occupied Arrakis. Yeah. Right. Literally the emperor's like, hey, you guys are the sole people to control Arrakis. Mm-hmm. And the whole center around Arrakis, the uh, motivation for this whole political strife, everything. Arrakis is the one planet in the known universe that contains the spice. Something we're big fans of here as spice runners. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the spice is essentially just a substance found on this planet that can be refined to make fuel for space travel. Mm. Or it's a drug. Whatever you want to interpret it as. <laughs> it's a hallucinogenic. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's very powerful. But it's not lethal in small doses. Well, it's really not per se lethal in high doses. Because in, in the books universe, Spacing Guild. Spacing the, Guild, yeah. They are literally, they wear helmets and they're soaked in the stuff. So that they literally transform into like this otherworldly. They can, they can fold time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a concept, if you've ever seen Interstellar, it's when you travel through space, instead of you traveling you know, from A to B, you're literally folding A and B together like a piece of paper. And just stepping through a window. You're just Yeah, you just step through and it's like A and B are now neighbors. You've folded everything in between, and which is really cool if you're in the space stuff. Unless you don't understand it and it's just, my brain hurt. <laughs> I don't know why we're here and there, but I'm going to puke. <laughs> If you've never been intergalactic travel before, which obviously we have, we right. know it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, House Harkonnen runs Arrakis. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So House Harkonnen, Evil Baron. Mm -hmm. If you thought uh, Caladan was depressing, Caladan now looks like Cancun. If you go to Harkonnen, something you kind of notice on House Harkonnen and on their planet, Getty Prime. Either you're the Baron or one of his henchmen or you're a slave. That's it. Like <laughs> there is no other job roles. It kind of seems that way. Yeah. It's, it's so terrifying. Like I feel like that's exactly what Trump's America was going to be. Like, oh, like I think that was the ending of <laughs> it's very dystopian overlordish kind of, mm -hmm. it, it's not imperial bad, almost not a good place to be. Yeah. The, yeah. the whole, um, like you mentioned either you're, you're part of the Royal family or you're a slave. 
like there's not a lot of good stuff going on right on giddy prime or if you're a part of house harkonnen yeah the geopolitical <laughs> stance there the the whole circumstances they're basically just trying to run the planet mm. and trying to assert themselves above the other houses mm. essentially yeah, all, all the houses of these other planets are competing besides Dune or Arrakis, the, the official name, because mm-hmm. they don't actually have any people in there because obviously the Har- the Harkonnens are running them. And for as long as people have, like most people have been alive, the Harkonnens have always ruled Arrakis. Mm-hmm. And suddenly this is the big tipping point. The emperor out of nowhere says, hey, by the way, uh, House Harkonnen, move on out. Atreides. House Atreides, you guys get to run Arrakis now. Mm-hmm. And this is a huge thing for our Paul because at first it was just kind of like, hey, I'm going to just be the leader. And he's not really invested in it either. He's, he doesn't want to be the leader. Right. And, and he's, he's like a teenager. Yeah. He's blossoming. <laughs> he's got his own stuff to worry about. <laughs> I didn't want any major responsibilities when I was that age either. I'm just trying to hang my chemical romance posters in my room <laughs> and just having an emo time on Caladan, dad. <laughs> Um, but the, the big political shift of the Harkonnens losing control because spice is a resource that everybody wants. It's always fought over and the Harkonnens being the rulers of Arrakis have made billions upon billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. Oh yeah. Very wealthy, crazy wealthy and for centuries now. So this shift in power is definitely very, it's, it's not going to end peacefully, obviously. They did not like the decision the emperor made. Yes. And so they have to move out and then we move everybody to, you know, so the prince, the leader or his father and everyone we like. Also, Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big cast. Big, huge, huge. Rebecca Ferguson plays Lady Jessica, which mm-hmm. is Paul's mother. Mm-hmm. And she is cool because she is a part of. Um, She's been in Mission Impossible. She's been in uh, The Greatest Showman. Let's see. <gasps> She's had some noteworthy roles. She's definitely getting more popular. Major crush, also, by the way, for me. <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson is a total effing babe. <laughs> but she's just, she commands a screen when she's on there. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, she's a part of the Benny Jesserits, which is this weird cultish. I almost want to refer to them as Lady Jedis. They are a religious order. Yeah. And they literally have very special powers and they're very selective and it's only women. Mm hmm. And so she she kind of like left that to become and also wildly she's a concubine, she's not a wife, she's not like a first lady. I didn't realize that the first time I watched through it, yeah. and I, it took some uh, some digging to to understand that. But yeah, she is one of his. I get it. It's not really clear how that works in yeah. this universe, but yeah, he's an official. She is an official concubine of Leto. And and yeah, the whole Bene Gesserit thing, it's like you mentioned, a more or less cult-ish type yeah. thing, type deal. Women People only. refer to her as like the witch. Yeah. Or, derogatorily, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> People who don't understand. <laughs> People who haven't had a good time with Hocus Pocus <laughs> definitely couldn't appreciate the Bene Gesserits. Mm-hmm. So Lady Jessica is the, the female, the mother figure to Paul. Well, is the mother of Paul, a correction. <laughs> But then the, in her religious order, there's also a, a mother figure too, the head, the head, witch, mm-hmm. the big, witch, the, um, reverend mother, reverend mother. Her. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which like, it totally implies religious order and stuff like that. Oh, definitely. But anyways, they have their own political, like they're, they're another faction and like there's this universe, like, and then I understand why people say Dune is such a hard movie to make. Mm-hmm. 
is because there's actually so much background that you need to comprehend. Mm -hmm. And what's executed here is so beautifully presented at a pace that is like opens the world to you. The movie itself is very well done and does tell a really good story, but I agree. There's a lot more depth to it that is not covered in the movies or requires some background knowledge. Yeah. So if you've read the novels, if you've seen the original movie, that whole thing, like you're definitely coming into it with some um, knowledge that people just watching now out of nowhere wouldn't get or wouldn't understand. So that, that is definitely important. I think some people like to like go and experience and then kind of like Google it up and learn a little bit more. Cause Mm -hmm. like this movie made me want to read Dune. I've never read the book, but it actually made me like, Oh wow. Like I kind of want to be curious to read it now. Yeah. It's just, it's so interesting because there's, there's a lot of world building happening and the whole point of this movie is to world build you into there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, to kind of pull back the lens a little bit or, or zoom out, <laughs> House Harkonnen loses control of Arrakis based on the Emperor's demands. Uh, House Atreides is given in charge of it. Everyone goes there, or at least, you know, the, the big wigs, mm-hmm. they land and it's just instantly we are transported to a completely different world. It is dry. It's a desert. It's drier than Tatooine. Like, <laughs> like if Tatooine was dry. Tatooine was like a mild sunburn. Like mm-hmm. Arrakis will straight up fucking cook you. Oh yeah. It's definitely mentioned several times throughout the movie by several different people. You know, you have to wear special suits. You have yep. to um, plan for protecting yourself from the elements. Like you will not survive on this planet without help. Yeah. This is, this isn't a, <laughs> uh, what is it? Like a beach boys and, <laughs> and surfer shorts type of it's condition. No walk in the park. Yeah. <laughs> Which throws you into another major component in the movies is the still suits. Mm-hmm. The still suits were an invention by the Fremen. And the Fremen are the, the natives of Arrakis. Little is known about the Fremen. Little is known, yet there's documentaries and there's tons of books. And Paul gets <laughs> to learn everything about the Fremen. Mm-hmm. And so the Fremen are the, the natives of the planet. And this is kind of actually it gives you, I, I feel like this movie is so strong now because it applies to what's going on. It's like we historically, we kind of look like, oh, we discover like, you know, uh, what is it like Columbus discovered these lands and disco- colonization. <laughs> yeah. Colonization it doesn't, like, it benefits one group, but not another. And you, right. ca- this is played out visually, brutally mm-hmm. for you to see. Well, even just a little tidbit there. Like the original assumption, just based off of the reconnaissance and stuff that the Harkonnens had done Mm -hmm. on the planet, like they guessed that there was less than 50,000 total residents on the planet. Mm -hmm. Like not Harkonnen, obviously, but like the Fremen specifically. So we're on Arrakis and it's dry. It's deserty. It's this driest of dry. And Mm -hmm. I love this because if you ever watch Mad Max Fury Road, you feel the same thing. There is sand in your butt crack. It looks even more desolate than that. Yeah, Mad Max had little oasis with like crow men on stilts. <laughs> this doesn't even get that. Things mm-hmm. just die in the desert. Yeah. Caladan. No. Uh, Atreides. Yes. So House Atreides. From Caladan. From Caladan. <laughs> I don't know my Dune facts and I'm reviewing it. <laughs> uh, they're, they're getting down there. It turns out the Harkonnens when they were moving out, definitely, definitely uh, screwed up their lease deposit because they left everything broken and desolate oh man yeah sabotage them sabotage for sure or just you know neglected definitely yeah and then or just didn't even <laughs> didn't even do anything just left just on the way out took all the good stuff and left <laughs> everything that was broken it's like uh that family member that steals all the towels and the like the soap <laughs> samples from the hotel room that you're like dude like chill it's gonna what be are blood. you doing you yeah. have towels at home <laughs> why are you taking just the pillowcases because these are nice <laughs> but you're leaving the pillows. 
So yeah, uh, Harkonnen pulls a really trashy uh, move out move. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you got to keep in mind though, the politics of it is the Atreides are supposed to be running Arrakis now and they're coming in, they're already handicapped out of, you know, the operations and they have to be producing money. So the emperor can be like, okay, well that's what, you know, there's a lot of weight. This is a situation. A lot of politics, tons lot of drama. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just this tension that it's like, and Leto Atreides, the father of Paul, mm-hmm. he's smart. Like he knows this. He's like, we're, what we're coming down there is like, he's like, there's going to be a, like, this is the potential for a serious war. Mm-hmm. This isn't a good thing. Like we're not getting, we're not being gifted this planet. And obviously things turn out that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Harkonnens already have big plans and literally what was supposed to be a pretty friendly stay in Arrakis uh, goes sour. The, the Harkonnens initiate a surprise assault. A betrayal. A, a massive betrayal. Funded, funded by the Emperor. Mm-hmm. The Emperor gave um his specialty death troops too. They find out later that the Emperor was really just nervous about the influence of Atreides. Really what was going on was House Atreides was appearing to be very influential within the government, for lack of a better word. Yeah. But like in the larger planetary order. Yeah. The imperial happenings, the emperor was starting to feel threatened by the Atreides house. And he used this whole change of power and change of influence with Arrakis and the operations of the planet to arrange for house Atreides to be eliminated. Right. So it was a very ploy, a sly way of taking out a potential competitor for the emperor. This is all business. Right. And so it's all business, no pleasure. Oh yeah. Absolutely. No pleasure for the, not for anybody (laughs) really. (laughs) Well, it depends. The Baron got his rocks off because he's just a sick guy. I mean, he was like stuffing his face in one of the scenes. Right. Yeah. He was very, his character was portrayed very well, by the way, Mm. like, Oh, wow. You could tell he definitely had some very well done components as far as excess and mental health, like disgusting people in power. He, he, he he visually nailed disgusting people in power. Absolutely. Like just monsters. (laughs) Uh, This is the kind of guy that like genocide, like is scheduled on a Thursday kind of thing. So he has room to go, you know, torture other people on a Friday. Right. This guy is just pure wicked evil. Mm hmm. Um, Oh, and one of the fun parts is not fun for everybody else, (laughs) but the emperor even sends his own specialty troops and they're called the, the Sardukar. Mm, Yes. And this is, um, I'll get into that after just kind of summing this up. But so the assault happens, spoiler alert, Paul's father, Leto, Leto dies, Mm -hmm. uh, who was also was Poe Dameron in Star Wars, which I I like because there's a conversation they had where he's like, I always wanted to be a pilot. And I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) I got you. (laughs) Um, Leto dies. Mm -hmm. Paul's on the run with his mother, Lady Jessica, and they pretty much have to abandon their their, the base there under the the Imperial base really established. Mm -hmm. And then they're on the run. So they go to the desert. And then they run to the Fremen to get help. Mm -hmm. Paul is getting taste of the spice, uh, which we learned the spice is um, a byproduct of the worms, the worms as they move through. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. By the way, big deal. Huge deal. Mm -hmm. The sandworms, which we don't get to see until Paul and his mother escape. Persecuted. 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 (laughs) English is hard. Prosecuted. (laughs) 
Yeah. You have the right to remain silent. <laughs> and dead. <laughs> Anything you say can and will be used against you by the emperor. Very unfair by the emperor. Nobody got their Miranda rights. <laughs> Straight up just came in swinging. Nope, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Solder car came in slicing. So the, the rest of the story is Paul wandering the desert, meeting Fremen, and trying to uh, establish on who he is because he's getting these prophetic visions. Mm-hmm. And uh, that movie kind of ends at that point where he gets to know the Fremen. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Dune part one. Ah, got you. <laughs> I'm actually really surprised that they were able to keep that secret until it was out in theaters. Yeah. Like most movies, you know, right off the bat, if it's going to be a, a multiple part. Yeah. 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 A multiple part story. Um, I mean, obviously there were some that probably did it just as a money grab, like yeah. the whole Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part one and two hunger games, hunger games. Yeah. The last one, what was that? Uh, not catching fire is hunger games, catching fire, burnt and... out hunger games, burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, whatever I, I, the third one was, I wasn't a terrible fan. I just, I, I, I liked the first one and then the rest, I just had a hard time. Yeah. The, the second one to this day, I still have a problem. The Hobbit. Did not need to be three movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely, I mean, I like that they really expanded on it, but it could have been two. Yeah, no, it's, you're, you're right. Anyway. But yeah. There's, you kind of know definitely some movie, be multi. Right. There's definitely some movies that have benefited from being multiple parts and there's some that definitely have not, but most of them you all knew right off the bat. Yeah. This one, they kept it a secret until the very end of the movie and you're like, huh, it feels like it's been a while. How are they going to resolve all this conflict? <laughs> what (laughs) next year that's how they're gonna fucking resolve it um and turns out by the way the dune part two is officially approved and in pre-production yeah as of last week so now that we have gotten through basically the overview details of how the movie breaks down now we can talk about like the stuff that we liked everything and and the stuff that we didn't like (laughs) But, you know, all the other details. So juicy deets and fresh, fresh beats. What's what are the real details of the movie that stood out? Ooh, the father son relationship of Duke Leto Atreides with Paul. Mm-hmm. There's a very critical scene where father is paying respects to grandpa's. The bullfighter. Yeah, the bullfighter. <laughs> and it, it alludes to a couple of things, like the fact that his father was kind of a reckless guy and died at an early point bullfighting, even <laughs> though he was the leader of House Atreides, mm-hmm. thus putting him in the role. And you kind of feel in a way that it's like the king, he's always like, he's already, by the time we see the king in most movies, he's been doing this for a long time. So right. he's like well suited for, or just kind of like worn to know his his place in the world. His hair is graying. Yeah. Definitely that so- the strong, silent type, very yep. stoic very practical. Yeah. And you always think, especially being the son that the father is like, you know, you got to be, especially because we're royalty, no one's going to replace me, but you, there's a lot of weight. And I like that they dealt with that father and son relationship in such a meaningful way where he's talking to his dad and his dad shows him the ring. And he says, I actually didn't want to wear this ring. It's touching to see a father tell his son. That's like, look, you don't, you know, like I know like politically you're going to have to be the next player, Mm -hmm. but you'll find your way there. But it's not because I think that you have to be, it's kind of like, we're just stuck in these roles. Mm Mm-hmm. And he even said he wanted to be a pilot, which I mentioned <laughs> earlier, but it's Poe Dameron from Star Wars. Exactly. A, yeah. a, 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 one of the most well-known pilots. Right? The best pilot, arguably, in the galaxy. Yeah. The known galaxy. <laughs> in that known galaxy. <laughs> and he's actually a pretty badass pilot in this movie because he's flying the uh, the Thropters, mm-hmm. which are 
literally the other aspect of this movie that just made me like my brain shit itself because it's so cool. And that's like the beauty of this movie is that we're exploring these sci-fi things and everything feels so fresh. Mm -hmm. Like it feels so new. new ideas. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we're not seeing the same things, but we're still experiencing the same concepts, mm -hmm. but it's just much more fleshed out. The worlds feel lived in. Um, but I guess before getting to that, the Paul, uh, Paul and Leto's, um, relationship. Yeah. Paul was saying, you know, dad, I don't think I can be this person. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Leto looking at his son and being like you, even if you don't become the next ruler, you're exactly who you've always needed to be, my son. And it's just like, holy shit, dad of the fucking year. So touching. Yeah. It's like, finally, like for a minute, we can be dictators and also be loving people, mm -hmm. not just be monsters, you know? And who knows what Duke Leto has had to do to maintain. But like, he, he obviously displays a sense of compassion and empathy mm -hmm. that I think that's where his success comes from, even though he has to be the big ruler of Caladan, right? Mm -hmm. And how they've, he even says, we've dominated the air. We've dominated the sea. Like they are a naval and air warfare planet. Oh yeah. And warfare for sure, because they have an armada mm -hmm. and the armadas aren't there to hand out flowers. I mean, it's, there's some violence going on, mm -hmm. but there's just this, this very stark contrast to um, the Baron, right. which again, that is the other highlight, right? The Baron is so shitty, <laughs> such a shitty, <laughs> shitty slave drivery man, <laughs> Mr. Shitty Mick Shitty Pants, mm -hmm. which by the way, played by Stellan Skarsgård. <sighs> so he, really nailed on the head, hit the nail on the head with that character. Like he portrayed that perfectly. Yeah. Just like his voice, his mannerisms. He was a scary dude. This is the only time I can say this man reeked of evil mm -hmm. and I can imply it in a terrifyingly good way. <laughs> yeah. Like you could smell the just resentment and the, the cruelty from the man. Mm -hmm. And pff, I, I mean, miles ahead. This is, I mean, it's kind of like I, I'm for stories that tell a better story about the bad guy, but mm -hmm. I'm also really proud when you really give me a bad guy to really fear and hate. <laughs> and he gives you all that. There's nothing to like about nothing. The Baron. Yeah. You're not supposed to, but there really isn't. Mm -hmm. And I, just the father son relationship of House Atreides, like that was, I didn't even, I didn't even think for a second that'd be a player in Dune. When I saw the trailers a couple years back and mm -hmm. just kind of things coming together, I was like, oh man. This is going to be like space opera, space epic, massively cool, like fights, laser, space lasers and fights, right? Like mm -hmm. born bred on Star Wars here. <laughs> you didn't really get many laser fights. You got the massive assault, mm -hmm. but really it's like the spiritual journey for Paul. Yeah. And then you got some, you know, a few cool fight scenes, which I, there's this really interesting um, aspect that I like that the world explores. So there's those shields, mm -hmm. the shields, they're designed to stop high moving projectiles but they won't stop something slow moving almost like um, for law enforcement. They have um, your bullet resistant vest. Yeah. And then you have your, they actually have a stab vest. Mm -hmm. So the stab vest can't really stop a bullet, but it can stop a knife. So it's kind of like there's a pro and con. Mm -hmm. And so because of the invention of these shields and obviously royalty and a lot of high end troops getting it, you don't see space lasers or guns mm -hmm. because it's just kind of pointless to shoot somebody from a, the distance away anymore. Right. Their shield will deflect or block it. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting seeing that portrayal of that technology. Like, yeah. I was totally expecting to see laser rifles and blasters and things like that. It's like, no, they took the technology a different direction. They're back to fighting with swords. Yeah. Like <laughs> straight up brutal medieval fights. Yeah. And it's because of those shields. Like definitely. It, they'll stop high moving projectiles, like you said, but yeah, the slow blade cuts. Oof. That's something um, 
Gurney says when yeah. he's when he's training with um, with Paul. And Gurney's kind of like the war general of the family, and he's also mm-hmm. Thanos in another series, <laughs> played by Josh Brolin. Yep. Who is I gotta say now that uh, you know you're a father, and I'm approaching that here around May. Mm-hmm. Total dad bod. Like that is the dad bod you want. Like I just want to like you know like when you're before you're a parent you're kind of like oh well I want to look like like an athlete or like or at least you realize like that's where like the the peak of masculinity is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Josh Brolin is actually the real peak of masculinity. Like <laughs> an authoritative parent figure who mm-hmm. is loving and caring, but will fuck your shit up if you cross him the wrong way. <laughs> I do not want to be stabbed by Josh Brolin in role. You know what I mean. <laughs> Oh, you're not in the mood for a fight today? This has nothing to do with your mood. Yeah. When a fight comes, you will fight and survive. Like, oh my goodness. And he's he's like, he's muscular, but he's not like ripped and yoked. He is like efficiency muscular. Yeah. He has survived. Like, this is how like people survived in like the olden days, mm-hmm. the, the medieval ages. Mm-hmm. Like you weren't, you didn't have time to get yoked. Like the only reason you got those muscles is because you were swinging heads off. <laughs> On a regular basis. Yeah. And Gurney, <laughs> Gurney is a man who is not afraid to lop a few heads. Mm-hmm. Cause in so many scenes, he's like getting aggressive and even Leto had to be like, whoa, 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 whoa Gurney, just, just hang on. <laughs> Smile, Gurney. <laughs> I am smiling. <laughs> yeah. So Josh Brolin, every actor in this movie nailed it. Like we said before, a huge cast mm-hmm. and all of the actors that were placed in their roles, I think were placed perfectly. Yeah. Um, I really hope we do see Gurney's character, Josh Brolin come back in part two. Yeah. Did you get a chance to watch the original, the 1984? Yes, I did. And uh, Gurney, he comes back. Yeah. And he's holding a dog. Uh, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the original 1984 Dune, that one does not split into two parts. It tells the entire story in one movie. <laughs> Unfortunately, I feel. In less time than part one here of the 2021 <laughs> version. Um, and that's not a diss, by the way. It it was still a good story. It told the story very well. Um, Is this the, story, it's definitely dated. It's from a different oh, era. Oh, sure. Yeah. It reminded me of watching... The original Ridley Scott Alien movie, like yeah. that, the dark shadows, the uh, the way that it was filmed, the technology back then, mm-hmm. like it was all a product of its time. Yeah, um, for sure, definitely a great movie. The first half of that movie really almost mirrored like this movie here. Yeah, um, it they told the same story. There were like lines and scenes that were almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So that that whole part was very well done. But yes, anyway, Gurney comes back in the second half at the end after this whole campaign to take back Arrakis yeah. from the Harkonnens. So I really hope that we see Josh Brolin again because it, you don't see him die. No. And he's supposed to live technically, like right. book-wise and mm-hmm. previous movie-wise. It's keeping me hopeful that we'll see him again. I hope he holds a dog, like charges into battle, <laughs> because that is like that is like a memeable thing. <laughs> Uh, because uh, Luke Picard, actor Patrick Stewart, Patrick Stewart, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> almost said Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm. No, that that was cool. Um, seeing a noteworthy actor in that role, yeah, yeah. Play, Gurney was played by Patrick Stewart in the original, a 1984 so. version. Mm-hmm. And for some odd reason, at the end, he, he's holding like a, a a pug. He's holding a pug, and he's got this weird haircut. <laughs> It's all long in the back, but he's got his traditional Patrick Stewart, the look. He's all bald in the front. Yeah. And what's weird is I can never picture Patrick Stewart with hair. 
Mm-mm. You say Patrick Stewart, I'm like, yep, like Magneto or not Magneto, um, <laughs> Professor X. <laughs> Professor X. <laughs> yeah, I just see <laughs> Professor X. I cannot see anybody else. Right. I see Luke Picard, Star Trek, mm-hmm. yada yada. I never. I feel like that would be a fun game to just put different wigs. Like if we ever had the money to make our own production, <laughs> I would want to hire him mm-hmm. and just have him try wigs all the time. Right. And do different scenes in different wigs constantly in hair that will obviously look terrible on him. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Something that I did really appreciate was the fact that they really told a consistent story with the book, with the original movie. There weren't a lot of differences. Yeah. Obviously, like, like we mentioned before, dated, obviously product Mm -hmm. of its time before. And I think that really did set this one aside. Or yeah. set this one apart as far as like visually stunning, huge scenes, oh, huge dioramas, like the planets, space travel, yeah, all of that stuff. Very visually just blew everyone's minds. This is this movie is supposed to be the world building. Like this is this is literally like architecture at its best. Mm-hmm. Um, the Benny Jesserit sisters when they come and visit. Paul in the beginning for the classic scene, hand in the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they arrive, the director, I, Dennis Villeneuve, Villeneuve, or, or I guess if you're French, uh, Denis, but uh, he's the same guy that gave us the arrival, which wasn't like, a, I wouldn't say it was like one of my favorite movies, but just his visual direction of how he does things. Is that arrival with Amy Adams yep. and Jeremy Renner? Yeah. The big planet, the, the aliens yeah. that visit. He yeah, did yeah. that. That was a good movie. Yeah. Like it's not one of my favorite movies, but it definitely is like up there because it's just so it was a mind trip. It is a mind trip. Mm-hmm. And and he does such a good job because he's um he's not a narrator based director. Right. And he did my favorite to this day, Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. We we had talked before the show, but it's like you like Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. I love like Blade Runner defines some of like how I view movies and stuff. Somebody's not biased. <laughs> super, yeah. Super biased. Like uh, anything this guy makes it's it to me it's like it always ends up being gold mm-hmm. and dune represents like some of his best work because he lets the scenes tell the story and when the benny jesserit sisters their ship lands the loud like impactful alien type noises mm-hmm. everything felt alien in this movie yet familiar right and that would bring me to the thropters mm-hmm. these are like i mean we've seen tie fighters x-wings they're always some kind of like thing that is powered by some ion engine and then it just has wings right mm-hmm. This is different. It's harnessing just like how the, the guys don't have guns. They use swords because they have to get in close. Right. Medieval style. The Thropters have this. They're like dragonflies. Mm-hmm. But like imagining like having wings that have to flap hard enough. And then you can actually visually tell the difference in certain scenes where the ones that carry more people have more wings. Yeah. Like the logic of the universe is thorough. It's not just like, well, let's just make one type of thing. And just have them everyone fly the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like there's a smaller, lighter weight one that only had four wings, but one has six wings. That's more the industrial, the military type. Right. Like th- that's world building. That's like li- watching the details. You're like, whoa, someone sat and thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't just slap it together. Right. And the sound they make when the Thropters are flying and the fact that they can close their wings, which added to some really baller, baller, beautifully done scenes. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, just seeing the Thropter trying to survive a, a sandstorm is as exhilarating as watching an X-Wing, you know, a bunch of X-Wings trying to blow up the Death Star. Right. So. <sighs> yes. Very cool. The technology, like this, like you said, world building, the details, it's definitely apparent that somebody actually thought of all this and made sure that it was portrayed correctly. Yeah. Like, whoa. <laughs> 
I, I just, I have nothing but good things to say. And I guess a part of fresh deets and, uh, and beats, mm-hmm. the beats are incredible. Like the music is the score is amazing. Fucking mind blowing. The, the, the bagpipes there, the, we've seen bagpipes. We, mm-hmm. er, we, we know I say bagpipe and in your head, you hear, you hear <laughs> like everyone's fairly familiar with what bagpipes sound like. Right. And yet there's a, there's a band that uses the bagpipes. And initially the first few notes, you're like, Oh yeah, that's a bagpipe. And then, the melody and the pitch changes mm-hmm. to something very alien. And you go, whoa, this is really bizarre. <laughs> like the fact that you can take a bagpipe and make it feel strange to me mm-hmm. is an execution in like sound design. Right. Right. Fun fact about, um, the beats of this movie. Oh. Um, so Hans Zimmer, <sighs> huge fan of Frank Herbert's novel, Dune. And he actually turned down working with Christopher Nolan on Tenet to do the music for Dune. Oh my goodness. Like he and Christopher Nolan, they tight, they buddies. Like <laughs> that's a big deal. That's like me asking you to help me out with something. And you're like, fuck no, dude, I got to go do Dune. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Christopher Nolan has had help from Hans Zimmer on almost all of his movies. Like Hans Zimmer is definitely notable. The guy. Yeah. He did all of the dark Knight mm. trilogy movies. He did inception. Yeah. Like, those are some pretty... Oh, and the notes in Inception. Yeah. Those are really big soundtracks, big scores. So, And it's obvious here, like, I'm definitely not like a connoisseur level of being able to tell the difference between different styles of music and stuff like yeah. that. But Hans Zimmer, I've noticed a lot of his work is very um, easy to pick out. Mm. Like... Um, very it, orchestral mm-hmm. and very foreboding. Yeah. And always uh, bassy and, and like, it just, dem- it has a, it has a presence. Mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer scores are always like, has a presence. They are their own character. Right. Yeah. And I knew it was Hans Zimmer before I saw the credits. Wow. Like I try to go in when I'm seeing a new movie, just like without a lot of research, without a lot of yeah, going looking blind, into right? it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could tell that, that, that this was a Hans Zimmer movie. And then I found out about that and I was like, Oh God, to turn down your buddy's movie. <laughs> the gauntlet was thrown. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you're going to have to fuck off with tenant. Like, I, I, well, he's German. Hans Zimmer's German. So like, how, how would that go? You, you do a killer German. Dude. <laughs> let's, let's offend some people. <laughs> you have to find someone else to do your music. Yeah. I'm sorry, Christopher. I cannot do this. <laughs> I must do Dune. <laughs> Is it one of my favorite movies of all time? Well, that's like French. I'm sorry, <laughs> French speakers. Apparently, I can't do a German. <laughs> nine, Christopher, nine. <laughs> Got to be shit on by Hans Zimmer, your main man. Right? Yeah. It's like the best man at your wedding being like, dude, I got another wedding I got to be at. <laughs> That's a big deal. He's done so many projects with Christopher Nolan and then to turn down Tenet right. to work on Dune. That's, that's big. That's money. No object though. That's definitely like the place to be. Oh yeah. Like I would love to be Hans Zimmer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like fucking around all day long and being like, let's make some music. All right. Mm. Yeah. I can pick and choose <laughs> him and his little Casio keyboard. Right. <laughs> in a meat locker somewhere mm-hmm. that's how all the greats do it he's he's not in a studio he's just he's got a casio like a s510 in a meat locker right yeah the sounds of the movie are just in- incredible another thing along with like the whole shields and new tech and all that mm. did you notice there weren't any computers yes 
and I, I had to do a little reading. I, I did too. Yep. To understand, but uh, <laughs> I guess we'll share with the fans. I, I'll let you share it. So it was really cool actually looking into the history here of why they did not use any artificial intelligence. Um, In the spacefaring, like very advanced tech race. Yeah. The whole like autopilot thing of the past. <laughs> <laughs> Not happen. So you have to understand this is set like 10,000 years in our future. Yeah. So obviously Earth is a relic of millennia past. And part of the history, if you get into the novels, is they actually had AI. They had computers and there was an uprising and a like thousand year war between artificial intelligence and the humans that were left to survive on earth. It was a big deal. There was a lot of crazy happenings that went down. It was like the matrix style stuff. As like, you're saying this, the Terminator theme is playing my like, right. Dum, dum, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those of you that can spot the Terminator out of that noises I made <laughs> good for you. <laughs> so yeah, they um, like way back in what would be in the future for us, within like the next 500 or so years, they had a thousand year war against <sighs> artificial intelligence and they vowed never again. It got too powerful. Mm -hmm. And it's to the point where we're 10,000 years in the future here and they don't even have autopilot for their ships. No, it's all back to analog. It's just, everything is done manually. And that really is kind of awesome. Like I really liked the way that that was portrayed but just hearing about the behind the scenes facts, like where are all the computers and the artificial intelligence, like Star Wars had autopilot and Star Trek has all of these various things that are run on computers. And like, this is a fresh take on what the future looks like without artificial intelligence. There's actually a little uh, tidbit on top of that. Um, I wanted to see if you caught it, but Thurfier, Stephen McKinley, he's like the, the general guy. Mm-hmm there's a scene in the beginning where his eyes go white mm -hmm. and he calculates that's literally, that's their computer systems now is, yeah. is these human beings that have been um, augmented and spice. Like it's spice is a part of it too, but they've, they're like literally on another level of computing, like trained themselves to think like a computer yeah, to and store calculate. information in their memories mm -hmm. and yeah. Calculate things really quickly. There's multiple characters that do that. What was his name? Uh, you, you just mentioned him. Uh, Thur Thurfier. Yeah. He's like, right hand of Atreides. Yep. Um, and there's another guy that's like accompanying the Baron Harkonnen. Same thing. The one with like the little, the black uh, makeup on his chin, right? They both have that. And that's actually, I think that is a um, indicator of their rank role, whatever. Peter DeVries. Yeah. So that's, yeah. David, uh, David, David Desmalkin. I'm yeah. definitely not doing him a service, but <laughs> he, he's good. He's always, he always plays like a good, like, um, henchman type character. Mm -hmm. He's the, uh, Ant-Man. Yeah. Yeah. The Russian, Yaga. Ukrainian dude. <laughs> <laughs> Baba Yaga. <laughs> and then they run. That's him. Yeah. Uh-huh. He is so good. But yeah, the, the, the black, um, paint mm -hmm. and, and it's weird because one scene where Thurfier is carrying like a like a Japanese geisha umbrella a in the sun. parasol. Yeah, a little parasol. <laughs> like it just it makes sense in their world, but it doesn't to me. But I'm like I'm like invited to look into the the epicness of these people's lives and what's going on. And I'm given that like mm -hmm. when you said like you know the goods and the bad, I really have nothing bad to say about Dune. Mm -mm. I I can't. There's nothing I fall. I mean, it's like the pacing is great. 
I mean, usually I'll complain if a movie's over two hours and it's pointless, <laughs> but this movie is longer than the original that compressed the whole story into one. Right. And yet I was engaged from start to finish, even the second viewing. I would say the only con here is just that, but from a different perspective. Obviously, you and I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. And I really feel like it was great movie, visually stunning, told an epic story, all of those things. But for certain audiences, I think it was a little long, a little slow. Yeah. Um, it took a while to really kind of tell the story. Yeah. You did have to know a little bit of background knowledge to be able to follow it properly. True. Um, so while you and I really enjoyed it, I think the one negative about it would be that there are certain people, <coughs> my wife, <coughs> <laughs> that did not enjoy it as much just because of how big it yeah. was, how complicated and epic it really was. And really, I didn't see it as complicated. I didn't really see it as a huge story that didn't move very far. Yeah. It was very well done in my opinion, but for some people, I think it was a little too much. Yeah. And, and, and I, I would agree. It is, it's hard to say it's a movie for everyone. Cause it's like, you have to be, you have to be interested in mm-hmm. this stuff. And specifically you have to be, you have to have some level of weird interest in Dune mm-hmm. or the, the bizarreness of it. There's a quote from <laughs> Jean Brooks. He's a movie editor from, or a, an editor of um, like movie reviews and stuff from okay. the guardian. Yeah. Um, he said, quote, it is a slow burn space opera that fuses the art house and the multiplex to create an epic of otherworldly brilliance quote. That really summarizes it. Yeah. And see if you, if you like that, great. If you're not so much into that, it's too much. It's yeah. a bit off more than you can chew. I yeah. think that really does capture, like you said, it's it's for some audiences, not for other audiences. My my love for this movie is definitely biased because I mm. do not like narration. <laughs> and and there's just a minor narration in the beginning uh from Zendaya. Right. But that's just just a minor thing and, and I'm it's okay just with that. to set it up, yeah. Yeah. But I don't like narration, but some people they really like they nothing wrong with that. They just prefer narration. Like if you don't have narration, they feel lost and they it's and it is it, it is a thick movie. Mm-hmm. It's a just it, it is a decadent thick movie mm-hmm. and it is not it's, it's very rich. Yes. Heavy. Yeah. This is a food <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> it is a triple decker chocolate cake it, with fudge frosting. <laughs> yeah, it is a devil's food cake. Yeah, it's like an elevated, that's mm-hmm. the word we're looking for, elevated <laughs> devil's food cake. It is not like a a, a refreshing tiramisu. Right. oh my gosh now i'm hungry italian ice Mm, it's not italian ice (laughs) dune is not italian ice Mm -hmm. it is well what do the kids say is now thick af (laughs) thick cooker (laughs) with two c's (laughs) thick cooker um another thing that i really appreciated while we're still in the deets here i really really like when a movie does not unnecessarily throw in sex and nudity and hardcore profanity Mm. like and that's just me being a product of my upbringing yeah like i'm a little more conservative in those kind of areas but you can definitely tell Mm -hmm. when the director producer whoever's making the movie when they're just tossing in a sex scene just because ooh, this will sell or yeah or just littering the movie full of profanity unnecessarily just because that's how it is now. Like that's what sells. Yeah. 
But when a movie like this does not feature those things because they know that it's not garnering any extra attention from it, yeah, it feels more authentic it, yeah. and it feels more relatable. Like there was definitely no, not even any, any implied like sex scenes or nudity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And the most heavy profanity there was, it's like when they're first getting to the, the um, Atreides, when they first get to Arrakis. Yeah. I think it is Gurney and Leto Gurney are and talking, Leto talking yeah. outside <laughs> of the like, window. What did they say about Arrakis? To clean yourself, you have to scrub your ass with sand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I think there was a shit in there somewhere. Like, so, I think there was. I, I missed it. I, maybe I don't it's know Duncan Idaho, Jason Momoa's character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is also just cracks me up. It's like a name. Mm-hmm. The name Duncan Idaho. And I think it just <laughs> doesn't help that, you know, there's a neighboring place near us called Idaho <laughs> in our galaxy system. But uh, as soon as I saw Duncan Idaho, and I'm not familiar with, like, I never read the Dune books, mm-hmm. and I, I could never get through the old Dune movie until <laughs> after watching the new movie, it gave me an appreciation for the old. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I hear Duncan Idaho, I for some reason, my brain crashes. Like, I get, like, a boot reboot <laughs> error, and then all I hear is Hannah Montana. That's, <laughs> it's like, hi, I'm Duncan Idaho. Hi, I'm Hannah Montana. Like. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like, uh-huh. hi, I'm Jason, New Jersey. Like, <laughs> it's just random United States <laughs> states and then a random first name. Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> it's Hannah Montana and Jason, or Duncan Idaho. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm Michael Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Connecticut. <laughs> I wish more people would have states as last names. I guess, yeah. We suck. It'd be entertaining for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Connecticut. Um, and I think the last deet that I have here, and this would be a little bit more of a downside. I really did like the huge cast yeah, and everybody was cast very well. The unfortunate part of that is we didn't really see a lot from the minor characters. So for Mm. example, Jason Momoa, Duncan Idaho, not a lot of action from him. There was definitely some, and he had a couple of good fight scenes and all that. Yeah. Um, and he, played his character very well. Everybody's a big fan of Jason Momoa. Like mm-hmm. name somebody who isn't, <laughs> but name um, a woman who isn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little more accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just as an example here, I almost forgot that Dave Batista is in this movie. Oh, I forgot he was in this movie until you just said something. Yeah. yeah it's Drax from guardians of the galaxy, right? He is Baron Harkonnen's nephew. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of his character. It he's meant to be some kind of like murder crazed Harkonnen. Glossu Raban. Yes, but he has a nickname. Um he's like the Conqueror or something like yeah, that. The it, big raper or something, right? <laughs> so, something that it wasn't that obvious, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the penetrator. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Why do they call you that? <laughs> That'll be me on the first day on the job at House Harkonnen. <laughs> That's an interesting nickname. <laughs> Care to share? Love, love to hear the story, partner. <laughs> but anyway, he also, I feel like, played his character well. Yeah. But he had a grand total of about a minute and a half of screen time. Yeah. Like, there were definitely some big actors and actresses here that did not get a lot of time to shine. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping 
in the sequel here that we'll get more time with, for example, Dave Bautista's character, Zendaya's yeah. character. We know definitely Zendaya is going to get her. Oh, her, her absolutely. Time. But you're right. I'm worried that you, you you nailed that right there. Dave Bautista's character. Right. But uh, up until the very last five minutes, 10 minutes of the movie, yeah. Zendaya's character was just in flashbacks. Yeah. And not even flashbacks. They were like um, Paul's visions. So yeah, just the whole, <laughs> I, I want to jump on that here in a minute. Right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the uh, the actors and actresses that did not get a lot of time to shine, I really hope that that is a problem that is solved in the next movie. Yeah. Um, another noteworthy actor. Um, let's see if I can remember his name. Javier Bardem. Yes, Javier Stilgar. Bardem. Yeah, oh, so good. I didn't pirates. Re- yeah, I didn't recognize him until I heard his voice. I knew his voice was familiar. He's been, he was in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. He was uh, Captain Salazar. Yep. Um, No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men. He was one of the Bond villains. Um, Yes. He was in Skyfall. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, yeah, he's had a lot of big roles, and his was still kind of a smaller role in this one. I I I liked his. Bigger in the next one. I definitely am with you. I want to see more Stilgar Mm because he imbues a leader type character that I really dig. Like a native yeah. leader. He, he's a native leader. He doesn't really have time for this whole like song and dance. His traits and characteristics were definitely like salt of the earth. Like, I don't know your politics. I don't know your procedures. Uh-huh. So I'm just going to do what I do. Yeah. And I don't really, frankly, give a shit because the only important thing to me is the the safety of my people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's a great trait to have. It's dangerous if you're dealing between tribes and tribes where you can't always just walk into a room and, be, you know, swing your dick around. Right. But he also doesn't come with a level of arrogance. He just comes with a level of understanding that it's unfortunate that you people keep coming here and trying to rule Arrakis. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess pulling back the lens, that's probably the most thing that interests me about Dune because how relatable it is to our current world. Right. It's not just like the domination and the, the colonization politics, but it's kind of like, Who's in power and who's not? And what do the people who are not in power have to, how do they carry their lives on? Because mm-hmm. the Fremen have to find a way to survive. And that's one of, his, the, one of the larger scenes with Stilgar is him saying, look, mine your spice, get your stuff and, and get out. Like that's just do your thing. Like I know you're not going to leave. Right. But don't cross the desert and don't come looking for my people are touching us. Mm-hmm. And which also that scene was so powerful because Leto also like concedes. Like he is now the ruler. He is the the caretaker of mm-hmm. Arrakis. Like what, what a what a misleading word to the political word. Right. I'm the caretaker of this planet, but no, mm-hmm. you're the you're the fucking ruler. Like you're here to screw shit up if people get out of line. Right. But it showed a lot in Leto's character to be like I I can like I I can't promise you I'm not going to cross the desert, mm-hmm. but I can promise you we'll never hunt you. And it's like wow, what a fantastic compromise. Right. It's obvious you and your people have been wronged by the previous tenants of this planet. Mm, yeah. But yeah, I'm not out to do that. I'm I'm here to be different. I'm here to be at least if not friends, allies with you and yeah. help each other out. No, you, we're not going to hunt you. We're not going to seek you out. We're just here to do our business. Yeah. I and I and I like that's just, just such a good metaphor for life that I I took a lot more from this movie than I think, you know, <laughs> I mean and I hope some people do, but it's kind of like so, especially after like the political climate we had, it's mm-hmm. like we have to build bridges. It's like we're both going to exist. Like me, the way I think, and the other guy, the way he thinks. Mm-hmm. We got to build that bridge so then we can actually tr- start trusting. We may not agree, but we need to figure things out. Right. And and Leto and Stilgar's dynamic is so beautifully done. They're two leaders of different clans. Really, like, and Stilgar has no reason to trust 
Leto. Like, oh, yeah. He he does not win by trusting any of these assholes that come here. Well, for the last however many years, <laughs> like centuries. the Harkonnens have just been tearing it up yeah. on Arrakis, just killing people left and right and doing anything to gain power and influence. Meanwhile, the people of the planet are just trying to exist. Yeah. And they were, they implied there was a scene, they were trying to harvest, like to create water and make it a thing. Mm-hmm. But as soon as spice was discovered, a that was uh, abandoned. Yeah, they were like, "This like sand is staying, baby." (laughs) Like, you imagine the real estate agent preparing to get the, you know, like, okay, we're gonna build this wonderful oasis on Arrakis, (laughs) and it's like literally the next day you show up, they're like, "By the way, that we're not doing that anymore." We found oil in your backyard. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be barren. It's got to be dirty, and we're gonna find the shittiest guy in the universe to run it. It just has to be that way. Gonna install that pump right now. (laughs) (laughs) He's really into tar. It's just got to be the way, which you said Dave Batista didn't get a lot of screen time. And I agree, mm-hmm. but I will say the screen time that he is on, he has a magic to him. He can play this petulant, violent child mm-hmm. and he executes that role. Like he is frightening in this movie. Oh yeah, definitely. But he's also like, he's frightening, but lovable as Drax. So to say that this wrestler, Dave Batista went from wrestling to obviously wrestling is acting for anyone who <laughs> did not know spoilers. What? Some people like John Cena didn't do so well. I thought those were real. <laughs> There's a whole demographic right now. Very upset. Yeah. <laughs> hearing that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but he plays a perfect uh, petulant child. Mm-hmm. And I, I admire him. I, I just, I admired Batista. Mm-hmm. to be able to be big and be diverse, like to, to be ripped and diverse, not just your standard Cena role. Right. Right. So, Oh, what? I, I wanted to jump in on your, the visions. Yeah. The visions. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about the visions, although they're, they're pretty cool. Like for the storytelling, I know where this is going. Yeah. I, after seeing it twice and really looking at it through my, <laughs> my, the le- the lens I view the world in. If somebody said, describe Dune, in one sentence, I would say the longest, longest perfume commercial starring Zendaya I've ever seen. A two hour and a 40 minute commercial for Zendaya's new scent, Dune. Because <laughs> every time we see her, besides when we actually see her, when they finally meet, mm-hmm. she is in this wispy, like soft glow walking in the desert in sandals. You know, maybe with a knife and blood in her hands. Flowy dress. Flowy dress. Hair in the wind. Yep. And and it's it's definitely a French perfume. It's uh, it's <laughs> Le Dune. Le Dune. <laughs> and it's and it's a commercial that always ends with a woman's like voice faintly whispering the name of the Le Dune. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> they all they have like a um a featured like. Oh, what's it called? Uh, featured brand, I guess. Yeah. So it'd be Le Dune by Arrakis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Le Dune from Arrakis. <laughs> That's right. House of Arrakis. <laughs> oh, oh no, it'd be, it would be uh, Le Dune by Fremen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it would be. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that's that's Dune in a sentence. Oh man, it yep. is, it's a perfume commercial for explain a film plot poorly. Yep, <laughs> a two-hour perfume commercial starring Zendaya. Zendaya's new perfume. Yep, Le Dune by Fremen. <laughs> Got to roll the R in that one. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, and even then, I wouldn't say it's a con. It just cracks me up because that's kind of what it'll, it eventually be. It's like, sorry, sorry like, Denny. <laughs> I love Blade Runner and I love all your movies, but you made a perfume commercial. Pretty much. An epic one. <laughs> I think that's all we got for uh, Juicy Deets and Fresh Beats, which was a lot. Yeah, yeah. And that, I'd say we go in a... definitely the most substantial category. <laughs> I'd say we'll go into visuals, but we pretty much talked about visuals there. So it's really, it's, it's, it's just stunning. Oh, yeah. Visually, it's stunning. Even if you don't like the movie, it's visually boom, epic, Ooh. just huge, <laughs> huge, huge. It's a huge, huge movie. With at least three U's. Y U U U G E huge. I'm glad we saw it in Dolby. I'm glad we had the opportunity to definitely. But I'm also glad that I got to watch it at home. I don't. If you have just like a decently large TV and it gets bright enough, this is like you'll enjoy it at home. I mean, really, mm-hmm. good audio really helps with this. Yes, audio and visuals really help to immerse you into the story, which is my favorite part of watching a movie. Mm. And Dolby really helped with that. The thropters when they they take off <sighs> and the room yeah. rumbles. That's there. There was uh, they played this movie in some 4D theaters mm-hmm. that blew wind. Like they have like wind generators. Oh, that would be so cool. They blew wind at you in the same pulsing as the thing. And I was like, why don't we have 4D? Really? That should be the next thing they do with IMAX Yeah, is just add that fourth dimensional immersion factor. Wind and smell. Ugh, update the seats, IMAX, <laughs> and install some fans. <laughs> That'll be another episode for our show. We'll call it the beef with IMAX. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess uh, we'll go to our our next category scoring. Yeah, let's do it. I think um, I you know what I think for this show it's gonna have to be what spice level? <laughs> <laughs> what spice level would you rate this movie from zero to ten? Ten being muy caliente, oh. the spiciest of the spice. This uh, this Campo of spice will make you forget everything you've ever known. <laughs> And zero being a bucket of sand from Arrakis. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say an IMAX seat. <laughs> I mean that works too. <laughs> and five being roughly uh, a, a beautifully done but pointless Zendaya perfume commercial. <laughs> Le Dune by Fremen. <laughs> mm. We're gonna have to do an ad for that one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be good. We should get working on that. When I walk in the desert and I feel no pain. <laughs> Bye, Fremen. <laughs> or some, some nonsensical BS. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I, before we score, I do want to say I really like your point about uh, sex and cursing. Is I agree. Like, there's a reason why I enjoy some Quentin Tarantino movies, but I can't. I have a hard time loving them mm-hmm. because it's just excess in vulgarities mm-hmm. for vulgarity's sake. Uh, be it you know full frontal nudity and something it's like i really like i know what the woman body looks like mm-hmm. and, and i'm I'm cool like a little sexuality can enhance certain things but just nudity and cursing for just the sake of like you said just right. for like oh this people want to come and see this for this eh. yeah which is i guess another reason why i don't really care for american pie even when i was young and you know it was like edgy to see mm-hmm. so anyways sorry scoring <clears throat> Oh, you want me to go first? Would Would you like to go first, or should I go first? Ooh, this is this is tough. Uh, all right, rock paper scissors. It's always scissors first. I win. You go first. All right. Oh, Ledun, Ledun, my friend. <laughs> okay, so 
based on everything that we've discussed with the very minor cons, Mm -hmm. I would give this a nine. Yes. Whoa. Okay. Nine for Dune. Nine nine out of 10 spices. Le Dune. Noof. (laughs) (laughs) I give, uh, I give Le Dune by Fremen. (laughs) 9.5. Ooh. Literally the half point is the, the, the little bits that you need to know. Um, and where I can't say it's for everybody mm-hmm. and like your wife's a great example where if it couldn't win her over, but it could win you over, then it tells me the movie is very eclectic and where it, it belongs in the, the place of things. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So that brings our average score to 9.25. What? How does that math work? <laughs> Do you want me to explain it to you? Cause I'll explain it to you. No, no, no. I'm good. <laughs> On IMDB, their critic score is 8.2. And Metascore of 74 at 74 out of 100. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So it actually dropped down with the <clears throat> the critics didn't dig it as much. A little bit, yeah. Do you have Rotten Tomatoes? I do. Rotten Tomato. Tomato meter puts it at 83%, but audience score hits 90%. Oof, oof, oof. And I think if there's anything, we being Spice Runners, <laughs> we are people <laughs> of the people. Oh, yes. Just trying to make a living here. By the Fremen for the Fremen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We are the Fremen. So our score, both of our scores and our combined score is a little bit higher than um, audience score and critic score. But just like you said, it was a great movie and we really enjoyed it. I mean, obviously by stranded and streaming standards, we are the, the, <laughs> the bar to meet. So I feel like we carry much more weight. Absolutely. <laughs> with our brand new show here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that turned out pretty good. I mean we're like we're super close, yeah. And everyone kind of agrees, and and I think the, the where the scores lose are audience members like your wife, who's just kind of like eh, it's okay. It's a little too big. Yeah, you know. But I, at the same time, <laughs> I just wanted to say that's what she said. <laughs> just had an office <laughs> moment. <there. laughs> I can't help myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's long winded and hard to follow. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> yuck, 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 yuck. I just, I, it's so good that like, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm going to buy it. Like as soon as it hits digital, mm-hmm. it's just kind of where I'm at in my life. It's like, I don't, I don't want to physically own something cause it takes up space and yeah. I'm out of space, mm-hmm. but I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely buying it. I don't, I can't, I can't have enough good things to say about Dune. I think if you're into epic grand piece storytelling and you got the time for it, Ooh man, you go to go see it mm-hmm. or stream it until the 31st, 21st. Oh, until the 21st of November. November. Okay. So you got, uh, what's 21 minus six? (laughs) (laughs) No, 14? (laughs) 14. Oh, no, 15. Yeah. Okay. 15. Maths. Maths. (laughs) That's why we're stranded. Right. Um, A good thing that I have noticed with HBO Max lately is most of the movies that they have release with the theatrical releases. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're out for 30 days. They're releasing theaters and on HBO Max, same day. HBO Max has them for 30 days. Um, most of the movies that have been doing that theatrical and timed release come back after a while. Oh, okay. So like Mortal Kombat was the same situation. It was released in July, was out was out on HBO Max for about 30 days, and now it's back on HBO Max. Okay. Same with um, Godzilla versus Kong. There's been 
a handful of movies. I think Wonder Woman 84 is now. Um, oh, it's like a staple of it. Yeah, because Warner Brothers and HBO are in the same bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so even if you don't get a chance to see it before it leaves on the 21st, it'll probably be back. That's cool. Yeah. You got anything else for Dune 2021? I think that wraps it up, Dylan. Th- oh, man. That was a that was a hell of a stream. Yeah. So uh, we really appreciate you listening mm-hmm. and uh, more episodes to come. Stay tuned. Yeah. So to see where we're stranded next. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, keep streaming and staying stranded. <laughs> Toodles. If you made it this far and you like the show, please hit subscribe on whatever podcast listening platform you use. We're available on all major platforms such as Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and more. To stay up to date and keep in touch, check out our Instagram at Stranded and Streaming. We'll post regular updates there for our followers. Feel free to send us a DM if you have any comments, questions, or requests for future reviews. But most importantly, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.